Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Brian, it's the, the last Tuesday of March. I mean, can you believe it? The first quarter of the year is already drawing to a close. It's flying so quickly, isn't it? It is, and I must tell you, the one thing I hate more than anything else is when the clocks in the UK go forward an hour, which they did on Saturday night, mm. which means it's now starting countdown into our winter. I'm a summer man. And, and you know, one can already tell the difference. I wake up early some mornings to uh, go start off at the gym and it's getting later and later this morning. It looked like it was, you know, still midnight by the time I left the house. So winter is definitely creeping in. Yeah, my, ne- my next deadline is the 21st of June because that's the winter solstice and that's when the days start getting longer again. Mm. So we shorten ourselves now to the 21st of June and then down into, back into summer. So that's what happened. But yeah, the, the, one quarter of the year really gone, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah really. Say, yeah. And and can you believe that we we still have elections to get to this year? I mean, where <laughs> is it all? When is it all going to happen? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot happening this year. You've got the British Lions tour coming to South Africa. Mm. You've got the Olympics and all these things, and you've still got uh, COVID all over the place. So. I mean, you know, you talk about elections. There's just so much happening in 2021. And who knows how, what, what, of, what of that is actually going to be happening. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine. I don't know if you ever watch the British Lions, but I can't imagine uh, watching the British Lions at empty stages. I mean, I love those tours. They come here once every 12 years. And uh, to see empty stadiums, well, I don't know. It, know it, it could well be the case, but uh, but I think, you know, at least there's some promise uh, when it comes yeah. to South Africa's access to vaccines, especially. Yeah. And, and people may wonder, you know, why do you talk about the British Lions? It's an enormous money spinner for South Africa. They talk about between six to eight billion rand coming into our economy. Really? Thousands of people come because I don't know if you know, it's a combination of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England. And the people, the fans travel here and they stay in hotels and they spend money and they drink and they eat and they buy and they go to our game farms and they, they're on holiday here and they really spend money. And it's such a money spender for South Africa. And we need all the foreign currency we can and all whatever, we, whatever foreigners are going to spend in our country is so important for our mm. economy and for each and everyone who's listening to this program, getting our economy going. Mm. So these, these type of events are so critical. It's not just about a rugby ball. It's about the money that it brings in. Oh, Brian, I, I, I think we'll probably then have to wait and see if they first lift their advisory to let South Africans into that part of Europe before they can start letting, the, start letting them out to come and visit us. Wow, yeah. yeah. But look, their, their vaccination program seems to be going well. So I think a lot of them will. It all depends on our South African government where we are July, August. But, you know, we talk about a third wave, but July, August, who knows? You know exactly where we'll be. All right, Brian. So let's get straight into it then with some of uh, the issues that you've been dealing with in the past month. And, um, you know, uh, retirement has been a big issue and people wanting to know how they can better prepare themselves for retirement. And what do you get? A living annuity, a fixed annuity? What's the difference, Brian? Well, well, well Cathy, I get, this question, I get this question asked at least once or twice a week mm-hmm. when people phone me say they're retiring and they've been they've been advised to either go into a living annuity or fixed annuity so it is a question that is 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 people particularly people retiring 
So the living annuity, is, in essence, is, is, is an investment product. It comes from your retirement funds, but it transfers the risk and responsibility of securing an adequate income for life onto your shoulders. In return, you have greater investment and income flexibility, and you can nominate your and your nominated beneficiaries will inherit whatever is left. Whereas a guaranteed annuity, you give up the capital for a guaranteed sum. So let's assume someone's got a million rand. They can go into a living annuity and they can select, I'm going to invest in, in, in this, these underlying investments. I'm going to draw 5%, which is 50,000 rand a year. If the investments do better, then my capital will go up. If the investments do worse, my capital will fall. You're taking on all the risks. However, on death, your family will receive whatever's left in that living annuity subject to tax. A fixed annuity is a guaranteed annuity that you purchase from a life insurance company. What happens there is you give up the, in- you give up the right to the capital. The income is guaranteed for life. There's a predetermined fixed income paid for life. You can select an escalating annuity. There's no exposure to market. Tax is paid on a monthly basis, but on death, there are no benefits paid. Now, you can buy a life policy that you'll pay out of your annuity, but the one is more guaranteed with no risk, the other is on your shoulders. So people need to understand, most people save so that they have sufficient in retirement. And then they come to retirement and say, well, I don't want to lose my capital, I want to make sure my family still inherits something and they go for a living annuity and so often people draw too much on their living annuities are running down their living annuities will run out of capital in their 75 80 year old uh, at that stage as compared to a fixed annuity Mm -hmm. so you've got to think very carefully if you're retiring understand all the options don't just go willy-nilly into either one of them and brian do we know uh, if you can have both Uh, do people go for that option Yes, you can have a hybrid. Some people say, I want to have some money that I want to ultimately leave my kids as long as, you know, obviously longevity is a big question in retirement or alternatively. So you can have a hybrid. And I'm just making a point. I get this call at least once or twice a week. I'm retiring. What must I do? And again, I'm saying to all, you may not be close to retirement. Just bear in mind there are options at retirement and you need to understand each and every one, every option. All right. Thanks for that. And and in terms of which is better, are you able to give an opinion on that or just it's up to us to decide? Well, it depends on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. If you're totally reliant on your pension, then you need to think about a fixed pension without risk. But, you know, unfortunately, interest rates are much lower than they've been. I mean, we have all-time lows and annuity rates do work on the longer interest, longer period rates, but you're still not getting a great rate. You've also got the danger of inflation. But when you're trying to do it yourself, remember, the insurance companies are calculating actuarially what is your life expectancy. Some will die younger, some will die older in retirement. Uh, meaning some will retire at 65, me dead at 70, some will retire at 65, me alive at 95. Mm. So insurance companies actuarially have got those tables on their side. But a living annuity is where you take your own chances because because you want your family to receive something on your death rather than receive nothing. So it's not about what's best. It depends on your own circumstances. Let's talk about investing. Is it better to buy a property or to buy retirement and other savings? 
Yeah, you you discussed this one. We had this a few weeks ago. Mm, And mm. again, people say to me, should I be buying a property or should I be investing money? Let me tell you the difference. If you're paying cash for an investment property, this is not your lifestyle property. This is where you go and buy a property. If you're paying cash for a property as compared to making an investment, then you've got to understand if you invest in a retirement fund, you're going to get a full tax deduction. Whilst the retirement fund is growing, there's no tax on the investments within the retirement annuity as compared to, the, to a property which has so many problems. I mean, you think about an investment property, you've got letting costs, You've got maintenance. Mm. There are going to be un- periods of unoccupied time. You've got rates and taxes. Um, you've got possibly of increased interest rates on your bonds. Or, you, you know, then you've got to make sure. What I'm trying to say is if you're going to buy an investment property, I think the way to do it is not to put the, all the cash down. Is to put a reasonable d- d- deposit down mm-hmm. so that you know that if you rent the property and maybe these times are a bit worse and you're not going to get the highest rentals, but you know that your rental will cover the bond payments and all the other costs. So you've got to do those numbers to see how much cash you're going to put down. But if you're gearing a property and you're letting a tenant and, and remember, position of that property, and uh, better to better to make sure that you get a little bit less rental, but uh, you've got secure rental coming in from a tenant because sometimes you don't get that rental. But I think if you're going to gear, the word gear means I'm going to take a mortgage on the property. So I'm buying a property of a million rand. I'm putting three hundred thousand down. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a bond of seven hundred. I know what my cost of my bond is today. I know what my rates of taxes are. I need to make provision for one or two months of unoccupied. I need to make provision for an agent, and if I can get enough rent to equal to cover my bond and those costs, also bearing in mind that interest rates will go up in the years to come, then I think a, a geared property is a wonderful way to go because they are paying off your bond. You can write that all off against tax, so you're tax neutral. And let's assume that prop, 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 a property appreciates from three hundred from one million to one point three million. Mm. And you've taken a bond of seven hundred. Your three hundred actually has grown to six hundred. You've actually doubled your money in that five or seven year period. I think you'll be doing a lot better. But I don't think it. I don't think it's an all. I think if you're looking at that world, you should also just both have retirement savings getting retirement deduction, and you should have uh, an investment property. But don't go, again, just don't go buy any property. You need to understand the location of that property. Mm. You need to understand uh, what what rentals are being paid for those type of properties. You need to do a lot of homework before you go and buy an investment property. And that's exactly what it sounds like, Brian. Lots lots and lots of research, and I suppose also paying attention to the trends that are in a particular area where you are investing your money in terms of any property that you may uh, be setting your sights on as an investment property. I'm going to continue with Brian Hirsch. Brian, I just need to take a quick break. I'll continue with you after this, okay? We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch and we're dealing with some of the big questions that have come in from you as our listeners, in particular to uh, Brian's platform. I know some of you leave lots and lots of voice messages uh, for him to surf through. Uh, this is during the week and we, we were just dealing with the issue of buying investment property. You know, what do you do? Do you invest money in property or do you buy retirement and other savings? And Brian really breaking down the pros of cons of 
either decision and that if you're investing in the property, it's much more than putting that initial deposit down and your mortgage fees. You have to keep in, into account whether or not you're going to be able to have consistent tenants that occupy the house and some of the other costs associated with maintaining that property. Brian, I cut you off before we went to break. I just want to say you used an important word. You used understand the trends in that area. Mm. Evaluate the trends. Don't get talked into by, by, by a property salesman. Understand the trends. Do your homework. If you do your homework well, it's like anything when you're investing money. Understand what you just said. But the trends in that area are critical. Mm-hmm. Are more people coming into that area? Are a lot of people leaving that area? Yep. Property prices fall in that area? Mm-hmm. Are they stable now? Because, I mean, property prices have fallen. But are they more stable or they continue? Are there a lot of for sale signs? Walk around the neighborhood. Are there a lot of for sale signs? All those type of trends. You made the point. Trend. Thank you so much for that, Brian. And I guess it's also important to pay attention to things like crime, right? What is the crime rate in that area? All of those things are uh, potential, are things that potential tenants look at. And I think we do have a market where tenants are becoming a lot more savvy of where they live and, um, you know, making sure that they, that they too are getting full value for money. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, the other question that you've been dealing with, of course, is uh, some of the impact of COVID-19. How is suspended savings during COVID-19 going to affect? This is the long term investments. And this is for people who have been experiencing uh, that impact in terms of the financial knock and have perhaps had to suspend uh, some of their payments towards their, uh, their savings products that they may have acquired. Am I correct, Brian? Yeah, look, there are two sides to this. The mm. first was that, and I understand, again, we get a lot of callers who aren't working, they've lost their jobs, and they can't even think about savings. But savings plans have been disrupted, and a lot of people have suspended their savings. Now, the, the eighth wonder of the world is what they call the power of compound interest, interest on interest and interest. You put 100,000 rand away, you get 5%. Next year, you get 5% on 105,000. The following year, you get 5% on 110. So your capital and interest are growing and you're earning interest. That power of compounding interest is enormous and very important to investment. So those who haven't, who, have, who haven't been able to work and have had to suspend their payments, you unfortunately now because there has been lack of growth in South Africa, you've had two, de- two, two things go against you. One, poor performance for the last number of years, and two, um, suspended payments. So somewhere along the line, when you're back in office and back in, in employment, you've got to try and make that up as much quickly as you can. On the other side is people who actually are now working from home. They've still got jobs, and their cost of living is a lot less. I mean, everyone I speak to says, you know, they, they're spending a lot less. If you think about it, very little entertainment. You're not traveling to work. There are lots of things that we now are not spending money on. I think what's important, because of the lack of performance and because South African economy has stuttered for so long, these are the times to relook to see that money you've saved. Uh, we talk about people can't waiting to go out and have a spending spree. I mean, my, my wife has really got, uh, what do you call it, retail. Um, uh, she's, what's the word, Kathy? She can't wait, can't wait Reta- to go. Retail therapy. 
Yeah, needs retail therapy badly, <laughs> and so many people need to do it. But I think the, the money people have saved, and they're talking about all this money that is building up, and there's a lot of money that has built up in our economy. I think people need to think carefully about maybe increasing their savings, certainly their medium and long-term savings. Medium being the next three to five years, mm. putting a bit more money away for use, and then longer than that. But you need to relook at your budget. I think it's a critical thing is to have a look at what's coming in for those who are still working and still in jobs and what have you saved and I mean I look at my I mean if you think about it getting coming to work uh, buying clothes for work uh, the, um, the, the entertainment we do all those mm. the things uh, the walking around the shopping malls and buying things a lot of that has a lot of people have, have, have actually been able to save I know I know we're going to get calls as people say but I can't save I haven't got a job I fully understand and I, and I really sympathize with that group of people but I, for him I'm saying you if you can't, if you suspended your payments and, and stopped it, when you can, try and catch up a little bit, even if it's a little bit. doesn't mm-hmm. have to do everything that you, you didn't save before, just a little bit. And for those who've saved money, re-look at your savings plans. All right. Uh, thanks for that, Brian. Let me quickly go to Chris in Polokwane. Chris, good morning. Hello, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to, to ask Brian, I mean, because mm. it's, it's a small question. Yeah, I go to primary school or go high school, go in uh, economics 101 or whatever. Look, given this, the current situation, the COVID, the economy not doing well, what is the best product of saving money? You put it under the mattress? Or you take it to a <laughs> alarm. Definitely not that. under the mattress, Chris. <laughs> yeah, but I just I just want to check. Given the situation mm. where we are going now with the economy, the trajectory mm. of our economy, mm. this individual is having four thousand rand, something that I must say. How 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 my bank, my world mutual mm. <laughs> What are the best things? All right, Chris. All right, Chris. Brian, uh, Chris wants to know what is the best thing to do with money right now? Okay, well, well, look, Chris, again, as I've always said, if you've got a longer-term time horizon, I think you should be looking at investing. I mean, our economy has been through a bad way, mm-hmm. but things are looking a little bit. There are some green shoots appearing in the economy. Understand companies have become a lot leaner and meaner. They're concentrating on what they know best. Uh, we've had a, there's a commodity boom going on at the moment. We've seen our demand for our commodities and our balance of payments is looking a lot better. Maybe a little bit false because we don't manufacture in this country, we import, and at the moment we're not importing as much as we used to because consumers aren't spending. Going back to our previous point that people have got maybe some pent up capital saved that rather uh, use that, invest that money. So if you've got a longer term time horizon, I think you should be looking at the various Satrix funds. I think uh, uh, they've done very nicely over the last six months because of the commodity cycle. I like the Satrix 40. Uh, I do like that particular fund. I think it's very very stable. I like some of the international Signia funds, which gives you an exposure to international funds. You can put money in monthly. You can put money in annually. Uh, you've got risk because remember, markets always have risk. You know, it's not like a bank account where you put money in the bank and you get a small rate of interest of three or four percent and you secure. You know that next year you're hundred thousand, you'll get back hundred and four thousand, mm. which is the interest. When you go into the market and you put a hundred thousand, if 
you'd come on the 1st of March in 2020 and put 100,000 in, in the market, by the, by the um, 23rd of April, that 100,000 was worth 80,000. And people may have panicked, but they've only been in for a month. If they told me, if, they, if they've now been in that market all that time, mm. that 100,000 is now back to 110 or 115,000. So it's all about time in the market not trying to time the market. But I think there's some green shoots appearing, and I would certainly be looking at the Satrix suites of funds and a company called Signia, S-Y-G-N-I-A. They've got international funds, and you can invest both monthly and annually. Uh, risk you are taking, but if you've got anything above five years, go for it. Brian, thank you so much for today's session. We've completely run out of time. It's just after 10.30. Let me go to Utsile Sago, who's standing by with the latest news headlines.